0: Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah yeah. Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion, that's a boss move, maneuver billionaire, entrepreneur, mark Cuban on the few put you rookies on a skewer I see shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer, used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot of fewer What yeah. you saying to me, I hope you save it for me, I'm about to kill the game and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream mass podcast, a sort of midday or matinee edition if you will. I am back after a brief little hiatus with a sinus infection. Of course me and Jaron kind of have conflicting schedules here just how everything pans out. I get sick and now he has a little family vacation that he has to attend to so it's gonna be a, f- a stretch for a few games here where I'm doing some solo podcasts but I'm glad to be back. Man school was just kind of getting up to me and I I think I was just kind of burning the candle at both ends, but luckily I'm back, and now that school's over for a while, I have a chance to really dial in. So, nonetheless, you guys will not have to worry about me being absent from any podcast in the foreseeable future. We're getting some scheduling things ironed out, so we should be straight on that front. But anyways, today we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 121 to 114 victory over the Oklahoma City Thunder. I know we are a little late to cover it. Like I said, we just had some conflicts come up. And then we're going to be looking ahead to the Mavericks versus Cavs game tonight. I think the Cavs have an interesting starting lineup. And it's one of those games where you'd really be intrigued to see how the Mavericks match up against them, if they're going to do anything in terms of changing their rotation up in terms of changing their starting lineup up, throwing some guys out there. You know, Jason Kidd has preached flexibility within these starting lineups, of course, Um, but he's kind of stuck to this same group for the last little stretch in terms of the starting lineup with Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian, and Dwight Powell out there. So it'd be interesting to see if, you know, with that two big lineup that the Cavs run and two point of attack ball handlers, if there's any sort of fluctuation in that. So we'll be getting into that, of course. And, you know, like I said, we'll you know briefly cover the Mavericks game versus the Thunder. You know, it was a day and a half ago, so we won't go too in-depth into it, but we'll definitely at least cover some of the narratives to pull away from that. The Mavericks had another game versus the Thunder at home, of course, where you could easily see um, that a collapse could have been on the horizon, but luckily some Mavericks positive shooting regression in that third quarter. Um, was able to kind of keep them away from um, their own impending doom. And, you know, it was just a really weird game, how everything played out. In the end, the Mavericks kind of kept le- leaving the door open. But the way, you know, any, everything had shaped out over the weekend. I know I wasn't on those two podcasts, of course, that Jaron covered that double header over the weekend where the Mavericks played the back-to-back versus Chicago-Milwaukee and, and lost both of those games respectively. Of course, that Chicago game is kind of an albatross but because we didn't have three of our players, or three of our main players, and Josh, Maxie, and Luca, and it was, you know, the Mavericks got to Chicago at like 4 a.m. that day. It was just kind of an egregious scheduled game, so, you know, we can't really take too much credence to that. But nonetheless, the Mavericks sorely needed a win after those two losses, especially that one versus Milwaukee, which was very gut-wrenching. And they were able to secure it. So at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And we'll be getting into it all here today. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, so getting into this Mavericks versus Thunder game, there's a lot of sort of weird little tidbits to kind of look at from this one. You know, we see a Thunder roster here who, albeit very much younger and more inexperienced than the Mavericks, has kind of had their number to an extent. And honestly, kind of in no small part due to the, you know, how multifaceted some of these guys are. The Thunder have a lot of guys that can just do a lot of different stuff. I mean, looking at this starting lineup, of course, I mean, SGA, he's a superstar at this point. There's no other way to swing that. Jalen Williams, I mean, a great rookie who has, you know, all the defensive capability in the world in tandem with, you know, just kind of a guy that projects as a three and D wing. Um, but also the ability to get under defenses and hit some shots in the mid range, um, attack off of closeouts. I mean, this is a prototypical, you know, peak rotation player you're looking at in the NBA these nowadays. I'm really intrigued to see what this kid does going forward. I mean, he went eight for 13 versus the Mavericks the other night. He really was torching them at points in that second and third quarter. Um, and he's really fun to watch. Um, you got Josh Giddy, of course, who. I mean, honestly, one of the more all-around players in the league, he just has a little aspect in terms of, you know, diversifying his skill set in every single area of basketball. Um, So he's always a fun watch. You know, Lou Dort, he didn't necessarily have the best shooting game, but you know that he's always going to be one of the better defenders on the court in any given game that he's on. Um, He always attacks the glass um, with – and it's sort of intensity that is unrivaled for guys his size. And I mean, on top of that, he has the ability to handle the ball and attack and playmake at, during stretches. Um, so the Mavericks, uh, you know, in that first quarter, I think largely due in part mostly to SGA and his dynamism in terms of being able to get into the lane. They went to a zone for lots of stretches, even in that second quarter at times. And it was honestly working. Um, the Mavericks were forcing this young Thunder roster who really outside of Isaiah Joe um, doesn't have the most shooting talent in the world. I mean, he's, you know, a lot of these guys are in that 30 to 35% range in terms of shooting from the three point line, even SGA himself, um, as good as he's been this year, can be, he could be spotty at times from the three point line. He's shooting. I think, I don't know exactly, exactly what percentage he's shooting, but I think that he actually is shooting like a career best from three this year it's more so just the fact that that's not necessarily his, you know, primary shot that he's going to be going to, you know, he's not going to chuck up like seven or eight threes a game, like Luca per se, even though, I mean, there's an argument to be made. He might be a better shooter who knows. Um, But he he tries to keep his three point volume relatively low, which makes how good he is even more insane because he's doing all this by just dicing and knifing and snaking through the lane to get to the free throw line. And, you know, getting into the lane. Um, he does a great job in terms of pushing, uh, pushing the pace, right? The Mavericks got, cough, got caught off guard in terms of their transition defense many times, whether it be like a long miss and the Thunder just start running. Um, the Mavericks defense, and, you know, Dorian wouldn't even have a chance to get set. They, they got to do a better job in terms of getting back. Uh, I know that can take a toll on you when you're running that much in a game, you know, especially against a young Thunder team like this. But, I mean, SGA was pushing the pace. He was getting out in transition, and he was just, snaking his way through the lane for easy buckets i mean we really didn't even see him have to operate within the half court too much until in that second half and he played a great game And in large part like i said that's the reason the mavericks went to that zone and you know while they were allotting some more threes on the perimeter i thought they did a good job collapsing within that zone and i mean the big stayed home and they were able to get some good contests on sga they were really limiting him but for whatever reason I don't know if they just thought it wasn't sustainable or what, or cause they brought in some different lineups that featured, you know, Reggie and Frank, um, the Mavericks ended up straying away from that zone, um, you know, after some second quarter run with it and they played man for virtually the rest of the game, which, I mean, I don't want to say came to their detriment because, you know, if you do play zone too much, it is fairly easy to figure out from, you know, an opponent's perspective, especially in the NBA. But at the same time, <clears throat> you know it was working really well for the Mavericks <clears throat> sorry guys I'm still a little sick but I'm, I'm almost over I'm in the recovering stages but yeah like I said I mean it was still working really well for the Mavericks so it's interesting to see them kind of stray away from that but it's not something I really want to be hyper critical of just from the standpoint that they you know you can get a zone figured out fairly easily if you just kind of keep knifing at it it's more of those things that you have to implement during stretches and just see how long it works Um, but yeah once the Mavericks start playing man and SGA, whenever he got a switch onto, you know, one of any of our players not named Frank Nitlikina or Reggie Bullock or Dorian Finney Smith, um, he was getting to the free throw line or getting in the lane. I mean, even against those guys, he was able to basically, um, you know, operate within the mid range, pull up. I mean, he's a really tough guard. So you can't blame the Mavericks too much for how they played against him, but he did tie his season high with 42. You know, maybe the Mavericks could have implemented some more zone during stretches um, because he was doing all of this in the paint. I will preface, Um, you know, only one for two on threes. So we would have liked to see the Mavericks defense, particularly their um, paint protection, you know, be bolstered a little better. I think that their weak side help on SGA is something that we could definitely look to, to improve because, you know, you can't expect whoever's sticking him man to man to be able to stay with him all game. Right. Um, But nonetheless, um, insane game for him, but luckily we were able to survive it um, in no small part really due to uh, offensively, at least Luka Doncic, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. We get another pretty good shooting game. I mean, he tailed off in the second half there, but um, a lot, a lot of like Luka to Spencer hockey assist to Tim um, after, you know, a Doncic, uh, the defense collapsing on him when he gets inside the paint, and that, you know, Tim was, I think, 6 for 10 at one point on his threes in that third quarter. I think he missed, like, his next four or whatever it was, and he kind of ended the game on a rough spell. But nonetheless, I mean, he honestly looked um, really good offensively. He continues his hot shooting. Um, I don't know how long this is going to last, of course, and we've talked about this at nauseum in terms of how long can Tim Hardaway Jr.'s play persist. Um, but while he's in the starting lineup, he's doing a really good job right now. and I mean, he had six, threes and 20 points. Um, not much else to say. I mean, he's shooting the he's shooting the hell out of the ball and that's all you really want from him. and, and the the occasional attack off of close out or push in transition, you know, getting a nice drive, Tim got six rebounds. I honestly didn't think he played a terrible defensive game. I mean, yes, when he got matched up with SGA or Giddy, you know, it was kind of blow by theater to an extent. But at the same time, you know, he held his own with getting a couple off ball steals. He was kind of, he actually had a few nice defensive reads. So that was nice to see from Tim. You know, he's not a guy who can really impact the game on ball as we've just kind of seen, you know, his inability to flip his hips on defense. And he kind of plays this, I really like this jumpy defense. I would be the best descriptor, I guess I could say, you know, he's really, Defend, I mean, offensive players, you know, particularly like a guy with a really long wingspan like SGA can definitely back him out and kind of just shoot over him. Um, but, I mean, Tim did what he could on that end, so I don't really have any too many gripes, even though his shooting did fall off in that second half. I thought that one narrative we can take away is that we're actually starting to see that this starting lineup with Spencer and Tim can gel together, um, you know, in games that Tim's playing a little bit more normal you know, he is still shooting well. He's still playing the Tim Hardaway Jr. role where, you know, he may have one good half, one bad half, but nonetheless, it's a little more consistent than, you know, what we were seeing a few, uh you know, a week or two ago when Tim was having just these insane like 30-point haymakers and we were seeing his positive aggression really swing into full effect. Well, as much as I like that, and I would welcome, welcome that any day of the week, to see this consistency from Tim is something that we've really been pining for and be interested to see, if he can, you know, really um, harness that going forward, because that's what could bolster his trade value at the end of the day. Something, you know, we all are kind of looking at as something, and even if he doesn't, even if you're not in the camp that you want Tim Hardaway Jr. moved, it's still something that is needed for this Mavericks team if they're going to continue to start him, Um, him being able to, I mean, just shoot. (laughs) So, I mean, there's not much else to it, Um, but we're sort of seeing that, him and Spencer can play in the starting lineup together, which, you know, on paper never really seemed like an issue, but there were some games there where we saw Tim, you know, noticeably more assertive, um, you know, just when he'd catch the ball, he was pump faking, coming into a pull of mid-range shot or coming off a screen to hit a three, and he really wasn't passing much. And, I mean, he was doing so effectively, so we really couldn't complain, but a lot of Mavericks fans started complaining about Spencer and his non-assertiveness – but in this game, I mean, Spencer, it, it was a lot um, more fluid in terms of the way it worked where you saw Spencer being able to handle the ball, um, you know, utilize his ability in the pick and roll. He's getting a lot better at distributing within this Maverick system. I mean, he'll never be the, you know, he may be the third best, third fourth best even passer on this team just in terms of his sheer passing ability. But his ability to read the defense and playmake um, is honestly something that's got a lot better on this Mavericks team. You know, you can make the argument, oh, Josh Green's a technically like a better passer. Um, <coughs> may have um, better passing intangibles just in terms of knowing where guys are at and being able to whip some crazy passes. But Spencer, I mean, his court vision's got a lot better. And, well, I think a lot of the Mavericks fans may have called him more of our, you know, kind of secondary shot creator at the, beginning of the year, I mean, I think he's really distinguishing himself as a secondary playmaker. Now, is he the penultimate number two secondary playmaker fit next to Luca? I mean, no, like idealistically, we want to see him in that off the bench role. That's where, I mean, you're talking about a really good roster when you have three dynamic ball handlers between him, Luca, and, you know, ex player, whoever that is, whenever we get that player, whether it be next week or three seasons from now. Right. Um, but nonetheless, you love to see his ability to um, get into the lane, manipulate the defense. I mean, he's actually starting to be able to throw some lob passes now. He had like three lob passes that the White Pal couldn't complete, like one that Maxi couldn't complete. That were actually like, I really couldn't criticize the um, the pass. I mean, they were fine passes. Something that we really haven't seen from him this year. He's actually throwing entry passes, so um, I'm really excited to see that. You know, I don't think Spencer is in that echelon where he should be considered. You know, the idealistic number two playmaker next to Luca by any means, you know, he's not going to get 10 assists every night. Um, But the way that he was attacking tonight, hitting some of his threes, he hit that one hail Mary three in the fourth quarter off of a Christian wood possession where we kind of just seemed dead in the water. He couldn't, he ended up posting up and getting the ball poked out to the three point line. Um, Spencer's playing really good basketball right now. And it's exciting to see that it just took a little bit, you know, maybe a few game adjustment of the starting lineup getting shook up for him and Tim to be able to gel together. Cause while, I don't think that the Dinwiddie, Doncic, Pal, Hardaway, and Finney-Smith lineup is the best starting five the Mavericks could roll out. You know, it's what they're doing right now. So we have to analyze them within this spectrum. You know, I definitely think that they could bear to use some other starting lineups because, you know, some of the defensive limitations having, you know, both Dinwiddie, Doncic, and Tim out there, you know, just bring, bringing one of Dinwiddie or Tim off the bench, who knows, Um, probably preferably Tim, because I I was never really in the camp that Spencer just completely lost his sauce because of that little rough game stretch where he wasn't being assertive. I kind of just thought he was trying to figure it out. If it was to extend a little farther, I could see the argument. But, I mean, like I said, he played really well tonight. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the Mavericks could definitely roll out a better starting lineup. But, you know, we see time and time again that Tim uh, just really can't – you know, he's really struggles when he's not in the starting lineup. I mean, it just seems to switch season to season in terms of, oh, if it's coming off the bench or if it's starting for him, where Tim's going to flourish the most. But, I mean, he had been rough to start this season all the way dating back to the beginning of the season last year where he was really rough until he got injured at GSW. And, you know, he for through 41 or two some odd games last year, I mean, he just really wasn't playing well. So, I mean, anything we can take to get Tim – you know, continuing to at least shoot a steady percentage from three, I will take. Um, This was a really good game from a wrestling perspective because Reggie Bullock actually played a fairly well game in this one. He actually closed the game over Dorian Finney-Smith and, you know, Dorian didn't play a terrible game in this one by any means, but um, you could definitely see, you know, having to defend SGA all night was taking a toll on him, especially after that game versus Boston a few days ago. I mean, while SGA was doing a lot of his damage in that first half, just sheerly off of getting in transition and getting to the hoop, uh, Dorian did a good job, Um, you know, in those half court possessions where he was matched up one-on-one as best as he could. I mean, SGA is an extremely tough guard, um, but it was nice to be able to get him a little more rest, you know, in a game where he wasn't shooting bad from three, but Reggie kind of had the hot hand and he was playing some better on ball defense I thought in this one. So Dorian had nine points, All of them, I think, corner threes, if I'm not wrong. And, um, you know, and with Reggie shooting three for four from three, playing some better on-ball defense, I can't remember the exact statistic, but Reggie's shooting like 40-something. It might be like 46 or 48%, some odd percentage from three this year. Um, In the month of December, I will preface, oh, man, Uh, he's definitely not shooting that for the year. Uh, But he's shooting that in the month of December, which has been really – has been quite the revelation to watch because, you know, we see his – positive shooting regression swing into effect after you know December really every year and you know obviously a lot of fans are writing him off including myself because of that rough start and did we all know that Reggie was probably going to swing back to the mean in terms of his shooting I mean yes we de- we probably probably did but it was more so of a intolerance of like why do we need to put up with this bad start and I mean I can still understand why people would be in the camp I mean even if Reggie's shooting well, you know, he is still more one – he's one of the most one-dimensional players on the roster. And, um, you know, he still could – you know, seeing him shoot well maybe bodes for him being a better trade asset. I don't know. But nonetheless, it um, if he's on this team, the fact that he's playing better on-ball defense, he's being more active, he doesn't look as scared to be out on the court, and he's actually shooting the ball well, is great to see. That's really all you can ask for. Um, especially if he's going to be coming off the bench i mean i don't know what the ideal like i said idealistically if we're getting peak reggie he he should probably be starting you know there's arguments be made maybe josh green um but the, of course who is was out with a right elbow sprain in this one um but you know it is what it is and i'm sure you know jason kidd referenced him potentially getting back into that role and it's been nice to see um but yeah i mean with with the way like I said it is the Mavericks sort of starting lineup dynamics are so funny because I mean if you relegate Tim Hardaway Jr. to the bench and put Reggie back in the starting lineup I mean that could easily just throw everything off in terms of Tim shooting so I mean I guess don't fix it if it ain't broke you know as the saying goes but who knows Uh, Maxi played 31 minutes in this game he's been battling he had a right foot soreness coming into this game and I believe he has something with his knee I don't think he's Uh, playing in this Cleveland game I can go ahead and double check but I know Mavs PR may either list him as out or questionable but he's questionable coming into this one nonetheless and he hit two threes um really had a he did he did a good job attacking the boards and he played great man-to-man defense on Darius Baisley had two really nice blocks on him um he got the seat the steal to uh close the game off of an inbounds pass I mean the Mavericks were up by seven with like 15 seconds left but um, I mean, Maxi, you could definitely tell that he affected a lot of shots. He did a great job switching on the guys. It wasn't necessarily like that help side presence that we see from Maxi, where he's coming from the weak side and blocking everything. But we saw a great game from him in terms of him being able to just um, switch on to smaller defenders and really stick with them. I mean, even SGA at points, um, definitely one of Maxi's better defensive games of the season. And like I said, I'll continue to hammer the point that while we lost, thought maybe at the beginning of the season he lost a step, I mean. These last like 15 games from Maxi have been really, really well defensively, even if, you know, the shooting kind of fluctuates in terms of being really good to OK uh, game to game. And, you know, he doesn't have the highest volume from threes, but you get a steady couple threes from him a game, get that steady diet in there um, where he's, you know, spotting up at the top of the key or the wing, you know, off of a Doncic pick and roll where the defenders collapse and leaves him wide open. I mean, hey, what, what, what else can you ask for? Um, Maxi, especially, you know, him and Reggie were able to be two defensive cogs in this one uh, coming off the bench. And, you know, the Thunder did score 114 points in this game. Like I said, I mean, a lot of that is kind of attributed to just how good Shea Gildas Alexander is. I mean, had he even had a 30 point night then the Thunder are really only scoring a little over 100. And, you know, the Maverick, it looks a lot more prevalent in terms of the Mavericks defensive effort in this one. Um and I don't, I don't know, but, you know, Maxie played in those closing minutes over Christian Wood, who only played 20 minutes in this game, um, which, but, you know, I mean, with the way he was playing defensively, you can't argue too much that those minutes shouldn't have gone to Maxi in this one, despite, you know, the optic situation and Christian Wood, in my opinion, obviously being a way better player, you know, I think regardless of the situation you want, you know, just from his asset management, you want that guy to be starting and closing games, but, that's a point I've beat a dead horse with at this point. And it doesn't seem like it's changing anytime soon. I mean, we uh, saw, you know, Tim McMahon say that he doesn't even know if Christian Wood's going to start at any point this season, but I mean, he seems happy in Dallas. I don't know what he actually feels internally. At least that's what he's projecting at least. Um, So that whole situation continues to unravel somewhat shakily. Um, But I mean, we'll have to obviously just continue to monitor it. You know, it's definitely not the best situation in the world by any means, but I mean, you can't I in this one specifically, I was not mad to see Maxi close the game because of how good he was playing defensively. <coughs> we saw Frank get 18 minutes in this game. Um, because Josh Green was out with a right elbow sprain. He'll be out with this in the Cavs game. I know that for a fact. <clears throat> it will be the third straight game. Um, as Josh Green missed the Bulls game, this Thunder game, and this Cavs game. I don't know when he'll be back. Seems like that injury is actually starting to hamper him a little bit. And I assume that he picked it up in the Boston game, of course. So that sucks because of, you know, his continued progression this year and him seemingly, you know, even if he has an off game every once, every five games, I mean, it almost looks like he's taking leaps and bounds in terms of the sort of different things that he's doing on the court game to game this year. And, you know, I think a lot of Mass fans would tend to agree. He's probably the most, been the most exciting player to watch this year, but so, you know, it sucks to have him out, but um, this was a game, you know, after Kemba and Hardy, you know, got some of the ball handling burden, in that Chicago game because of Luca being out, you know, with just green out on um, the Mavericks rode Frank tonight, and they didn't play anybody else. You know, Hardy was available to play. Kemba was available to play. They didn't play though. And Frank, you know, he went one for four, made a three, um, you know, actually had a few decently aggressive drives, dare I say, and a few uh, penetrations off of closeouts where he was able to hit some guys in the corner for open threes. Um, not the, you know, Frank is not a secondary playmaker by any means, but he does have the capability to at least like, maybe while not being a ball handler, quote unquote, be able to handle the ball, if you know what I mean. Like he isn't totally one-dimensional. Now, what he can do once he gets inside of 18 feet, that's a real question, right? Like Frank's not going to be able to shoot floaters or consistently get to the rim and have these tough finishes. But I mean, he can do a little something. And it was really interesting. I mean, it was really the first Frank game we saw all season where he got consistent run and he honestly played great defense. Like he probably played the best defense on SG out of everybody all night. Um, you know, he, and he got the assignment on Giddy and Jalen Williams and Lou Dort. They were kind of him throwing him everywhere. Right. Um, the thunder were forcing a lot of switches and Frank did a really good job staying home on really anybody who was guarding music. He honestly looked like probably the best defender for the Mavericks tonight. And I'm not necessarily pining for more Frank minutes. I mean, I think it will kind of depend game to game. You know, I can see why they rode with him because of SGA being out there, even though I obviously would have favored or fancied Hardy or Kemba minutes, but uh, just from the sheer playmaking aspect. But, you know, from the defensive aspect, I can kind of see, you know, with Josh out why the Mavericks felt that there was a void to fill there. And, you know, I bias aside, well, it would be more exciting for me to see some of those other guys out there. I can't, like, really hate on the decision. You know, Frank played a solid game. He hit a three, um, got to the basket a few times for some free throws. You know, um, it was the first game that he's really had any sort of positive contribution to in a meaningful way this year. So um, that was nice to see. Really enjoyed how he played tonight. Um, Circling back to Christian Wood, um, he, he went three for nine from the field. He had a really tough time. Furbishing his own offense, it it really just seems like it's so game to game in terms of when the Mavericks are looking to him and those non Luca minutes to go out and get a bucket. Like sometimes it's you know Spencer Dinwiddie um, just basically manipulating that pick and roll with Christian Wood and attacking every single possession, not passing. Um, and sometimes we see Christian Wood just um, be this sort of benefactor off of Luca, um, more so Luca of course, but. Um, Luca and didn't and did what he uh, respected, you know, respectively. Pick and rolls with both of those guys. We see Christian Wood being a benefactor off a lot of those in these games where he's getting above twenty points. But I mean, he only played twenty minutes, and I mean, he had eight points in this one. He didn't necessarily look like a huge negative defensively. There were some times where we saw his inability to, um, you know, flash over as a weak side shot blocker when SGA was getting in the lane. But I mean, I don't know he had five rebounds um he had a few really good moves in that fourth quarter he had a post up where i mean he just basically took i can't specifically remember who it might have been Bailey from the three-point line don't hate on me if it was somebody else took him and posted up essentially from the you know left side um wing and went all the way to the basket and yammed it over him and then had another position where he had a spin move and he was able to dunk it so we saw, I mean, we saw the flashes. It's just like, they didn't go to him much offensively. And, you know, we I've beat a dead horse in terms of his playing time and should the Mavericks try to involve him more offensively. I mean, it's just something that we have to see if it's going to unfold or not, because we don't really know at this point. Uh, but nonetheless, he had what I thought was, you know, a solid game for the, you know, for having played really sparingly. I mean, he missed a few of his face up jump shots where he got a mismatch with a smaller defender and, he missed two threes, but it, it wasn't, like, a terrible game from him. Um, it just, like, wasn't really anything too much. Um, Dwight Powell in this one, he played 15 minutes, but we saw that, you know, Maxi and Christian Wood got the bulk of his miss tonight. He looked like more of a spot starter. Uh, I mean, the Thunder really – I mean, he missed those two lobs, and, you know, he played aggressive, got his three rebounds. But you could definitely tell, especially in that first quarter, Dwight was – his liability – uh, in terms of being a defender was definitely showing when he'd get mashed up on to SGA. I mean, I thought that he really, really struggled. Like it was noticeable. Um, you know, when Dwight would either get switched onto SGA or have to, you know, slide over and make a rotation last minute to protect the rim. That he it, it was one of the more like worser Dwight pal defensive games. You know, like we said many times, Dwight is a decent team defender, especially within his own scheme, um, where he really has to just worry about um, you know guarding his zone essentially and he can get matched up on some of these um, threes and fours that are more comparable in terms of their size to him but you know when Dwight's having to slide over as a weak side help side shot um, blocker or you know be the primary defender on a big I mean the Thunder really don't even have a di- that like too many dynamic bigs like Poku's this sort of just lengthy guy he had zero tonight and I mean the other night and he kind of just operates from the wing and does some weird stuff running in transition and gets rebounds. Um, but it's not like he was really posing a threat. Uh, JRE, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he had a few offensive rebounds, I believe. Um, but he, he wasn't doing anything like insanely impactful. It was it was more so just like um, the Thunder. You know, they got a lot of switchable guys out there. They're not the biggest team in the world. And we saw that that kind of hampered the – You know, Dwight's foot speed in that pick and roll with Luca, something that they're able to go to a lot, especially against traditional back to the basket, you know, drop coverage bigs, um, because, you know, the second you get that guy to step up or hedge on a Luca and Doncic, uh, you know, and Dwight pick and roll, you're able, that lob game can really come to fruition. that's when we see Dwight have some of his better offensive games, but, you know, against these more switch heavy teams, we saw this with Golden State last year. Why definitely kind of becomes largely redundant, more of a spot starter. Hence the argument for Christian Wood starting. But you know, like I said, I won't bark on that too much um, today. You know, I saw some things going on Twitter. You know, I already talked about SGA at the top of the pod. Um, while you know, I, I think I'm not going to say that either of them outdueled each other. I think that's a far fetch, but they both had really good games. Barring Luka going three for ten from the field, I mean, this was just another masterclass from him where we saw his ability to manipulate the defense, um, whether it was Dort. I mean, the Thunder got some rangy defenders out there and Jalen Williams, Dort, even SGA. Um, But Luca did a great job just being aggressive all game. I mean, this is, you know, he has a tendency to settle sometimes, especially when the season catches up to him. But this season, I think we've seen a little more sustained aggression from Luca, even despite uh, some of the limitations that, you know, playing and having this high of a usage rate, you know, kind of, have to that carry over effect every night you know i think despite that we've seen luca be continuously more aggressive game to game even if he does have the occasional game where he's settling and i mean this was no um deviation from that i mean he had 38 points eight assists 11 rebounds a near triple double and he was um he operated within the post a lot he was able to find um dorian on a few weak side corner threes from the post which was something that you know we've seen luca pass out of the post but that's not that's something I think the Mavericks could go to more, so I thought that that was really cool. And, I mean, besides that, we saw Luca just, you know, you have his, you know, vast array of dribble moves, being able to get into the lane regardless of who's guarding him, just using his body so well. I mean, I could go on and on about how he plays every night, uh, but nonetheless, um, I mean, it was just a hell of a game from him. Um, you know, typical Luca masterclass. He went three for 10 from three. Like I said, he only made a few of those step backs. And we saw that weird technical where he was yelling at Dwight Powell, who um, had a few really bad defensive possessions in a row to, you know, that, you know, hey, we got to get this thing going, man. Like he was trying, it was more of a catalyst starter. There some leadership things that, you know, we've been really looking to see from Luca after, you know, I, you know his fourth year in the league, right? Um, but, you know, that's crazy to think about that he's been in the league this long. I mean, doesn't feel like it, but I mean nonetheless um and he got called for a technical but ended up getting rescinded by the league office after they looked at it yesterday luckily um but I mean yeah like (laughs) it was a really dumb call in the first place but I guess the ref thought he was initially talking to you know the referee himself but he was not he was talking to Dwight Powell I it may have just been the intensity he came off with but I don't know I, I definitely think that the ref should have thought over that just a little bit more it was a stupid call but I mean, yeah, um, Luca was really operating well in terms of his ability to, you know, get those little floaters in the lane. He had some really just tough finishes tonight after he get past that first line of defense. I mean, you we can go on and on about, you know, how he plays stylistically every game. He did a great job attacking the glass in this one, I thought. Honestly, stayed home when he had to, got matched up with SGA a few times, which is really impressive to me. Um, you know, there were some plays where, I mean uh, – former future Maverick all-star Isaiah Joe. Uh, he he came off of the thunder and he had some really good threes. And there were some sort of errant closeouts by Luca where I thought he could have done a much better job shooting. I mean, staying home on him as could a lot of other Mavericks who had to get matched up with him, especially after how Isaiah Joe hurt the Mavericks in that first matchup where the Mavs played the thunder. But, um, you know, they ended up closing out on him a lot better after some sort of lackadaisical closeouts in that, um, In that second and third quarter, in the third quarter, they kind of swung it around. Isaiah Joe did make four threes, but I think he missed his last few. So that was good that the Mavericks at least were able to figure that out after a sort of rough stretch there. Um, But yeah, I mean, that kind of covers it in terms of how all the Mavericks played specifically themselves. If, you know, we're looking at other trends from this game, you know, like I I talked about the Thunder being able to get in transition. That was very evident in terms of the stark difference in the Mavericks pace versus the Thunders. But you know, lo- luckily, Luca had such a good game in this one and Mavericks were hitting their shots. The Mavericks went 22 for 54 from three. The Thunder only went 10 for 31. It's really funny to see that contrast in terms of how many threes the Mavericks took versus the Thunder. Um, but yeah, I mean, this game definitely could have swung the other way if some of the Mavericks role players, you know, and Maxi, Reggie and Tim, like if we had an off shooting night, this easily could have swung the other way. Didn't what he had a good shooting game. Um, but luckily we shot 40.7% from three on a ton of attempts at 22 threes tonight. So that was encouraging, you know, but like the whole big narrative with this team is the whole live and die by the three complex. And that's not working. And we, it, we see that it's hard for them to win. You know, we've seen sparingly where they'll have games where their creation ability between Luca and Dinwiddie, you know, especially sometimes if Josh green is doing some, you know, not cur- know playmaking or creation um things off the bench necessarily but when he is um using his ability to come off curl off full speed you know doing his one hat one-handed whip around passes or you know the occasional josh green um just airplane takeoff from the wing off a single dribble move where he gets fouled and he's running out of transition that creates a little more dynamism to the Mavericks offense, or if Christian Wood gets going. Um, but you know, when we see both of those things not happening, it's really just Luca and Dinwiddie out there, the Mavericks do have to kind of live and die by the three. And you know, those other two factors in terms of Wood's play and Josh Green, um, you know, being able to be that sort of jack of all trades offensive player. Like while those are you know mildly consistent for this Mavericks team, it's not something that they can rely on game to game just because of First of all, Jason Kidd's antics with the Christian Wood rotation—how that all pans out, and how how much they actually go to him—and you know, of course, right now with Josh Green being hurt, you know, it, it really takes both of those things happening. Um, you know, and if Josh Green's having an off game, which you know isn't really all too often, but you know, it takes that basically that Wood um, assertiveness on offense, and you know, Josh Green dynamism in terms of how he's being used on offense—you know, being used as that. Um, primary passer in short roll scenarios where, you know, Luca gets trapped and it ends up creating a four on three and Josh ends up receiving the ball at the nail or at the elbow or whatever, and has to make a play like really, unless those sort of things uh, begin to catalyze. um, We, we do see games where the Mavericks just have to rely on to make shots. And I mean, it is kind of just the state of the personnel of this team right now. I mean, you know, you can argue, um, about Jane Hardy and Kemba Walker getting more run will that come into fruition at any point this season I mean who knows you know we saw definitely some flashes from Hardy in that Chicago game but we also saw some rookie mistakes I mean how much does Kemba have left in the tank these are all questions and it all ends up coming down to roster mismanagement and personnel at the end of the day Um, but it'll be interesting to see you know how the Mavericks can survive bad shooting nights going forward because that's been an ongoing theme this year where in games where we're not shooting well things tend to go very badly and that's i think in my opinion that's one of the biggest attributors to our 14 13 start and you know especially on the road where it's harder and tougher to make shots in opposing arenas um that might be the reason that the mavericks are a brisk um i believe like what three and nine on the road i guess yeah like um <laughs> just because you know it's tougher to make a po- uh, shots in opposing arenas i mean I'm sure it's not like a huge contrast, but it's definitely got to be a little bit of a negative regression when you're going on the road versus a team and just a lot more added pressure. At least the Mavericks were able to make their free throws in this one, unlike the Celtics game where they went 21 for 25. And, you know, with with definitely a a more hampered uh, Thunder team in terms of their personnel in the front court. But it was nice to see the Mavericks really take away the, the rebounding uh category in this one getting 16 offensive rebounds 50 rebounds total out rebounding the thunder by eight who had 42 you know like i said the thunder definitely don't have much depth up front um and but the mavericks did a great job i thought rebounding by committee it seemed like everybody was attacking the glass um everybody was aggressive you know christian wood was aggressive our wings were doing a good job reggie was aggressive spencer luca i mean everybody was attacking the glass it's the sort of thing the mavericks have to do they don't you know, as crazy as it sounds when the Mavericks, quote unquote, address the rebounding problem over the over the summer in getting, you know, McGee and Christian Wood, they they really didn't. Um, they they I mean, the, I don't, like I said, I, rebounding to an extent can be redundant in the modern NBA, just in terms of like not redundant. But I mean, if you can survive being middle of the pack and being really good in other areas. But. You know, it has definitely been more of an ongoing issue for the Mavericks this year. I don't necessarily know exactly where they place among league leaders in terms of rebounding, but I assume it would have to be bottom 15 if I had to take a a shot in the dark. Um, So it was nice to see in a game where they needed to be able to rebound better against a hampered um, Thunder front court who really just doesn't have a ton of depth up there. It, It was nice to see them take advantage of that, right? Um, this may not be something that we're going to be seeing tonight versus the Cavs, which I'm about to get into, uh, who have an insanely deep front court. But nonetheless, um, it was good that the Mavericks, in a game where they could take advantage, were able to take advantage. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's let's go ahead and before we end the podcast, preview to this Mavericks versus Cavs game tonight. Looking at the injury report, Maxi with a right knee sprain is questionable tonight, and like I said. I, I forgot if he was either out definitively or questionable, you know, and I said at the top of the pot, of course, Josh Green is actually out. So that is going to be limiting the Mavericks defensive depth um, pretty vastly in this one in a game where they definitely need it. You know, you need Josh Green to come off the bench as that point of attack defender, getting some decent minutes against Garland and Mitchell. And, you know, you're going to need Maxi's depth against the dynamic bigs of the Cavs. You know, Evan Mobley's had sort of a, you know, up and down year. He's kind of hit a sophomore wall to an extent. Um, but nonetheless, you know, he's kind of figuring some things out. And, you know, I mean, that's basically when this team really comes into fruition. That's four all stars on the, um, on that Cavs team almost to an extent. I mean, they've, I think a lot of people were surprised at how good they're playing to start the year. But I mean, in my opinion, um, I, <laughs> given, just given the depth, the depth of this roster, I mean, I understand, you know, they're one sort of, the one sort of negative attribute about them and you kind of knock them is they don't have a lot of three and D wings. They don't have a lot of guys that, you know, can take on a primary, uh, you know, defensive assignment and really slow down, you know, these point forwards, either opposing team's best player. And in those three and D wings that they do have, I mean, if you want to consider Chetty Osman, one, I don't I mean kind of, I mean, they really only have a Coro and both of those guys are kind of, um, one-dimensional in a sense Chetty Osman can do some interesting things offensively but he was a fairly average defender Okoro is still figuring out his offensive game he's really I mean he's a he's high energy level player and he's able to run out and transition do some things but his three-pointer really hasn't necessarily been there um and he doesn't have the he doesn't have like a you know like a younger player who has the ability to attack off some closeouts and you know, get under the defense and make some shots in the mid range, like a Jalen Williams that we saw the other night when the Mavericks played the thunder, you know, that's definitely not what Isaac Okoro is. Right. So that's, you know, definitely the sort of thing that they're trying to figure out. Um, I think the Cavs, I mean, I don't know, um, you know, Harris Levert standing on that roster long-term as good as, you know, that dynamism between those three ball handlers is, I mean, I know that he's been playing pretty well this year. Um, But I mean, I think that they're just going to have to make a sort of sacrifice given um, the talent that they have on that roster um, in the coming years and to be able to get that team to gel gel a little bit better together. Um, But nonetheless, I mean, they've they're still playing really good like they're, you know, Rubio's been out, too. And I mean, that's part of the reason that, you know, you might be able to move LaVert at some point, but uh, they're not really hampered by any injuries tonight, barring. Dylan Windler, who, you know, is just a guy, a really good shooter off the bench. Um, Dean Wade, he, he's kind of this sort of jack-of-all-trades um, four um, who can defend okay, and, you know, he's a really good shooter, Um, has some ability within the um, pick-and-pop, and, you know, his ability, I mean, he, he's actually, uh, you know, I think he's underrated a little bit in terms of his ability in the to operate within the pick and roll up points, even though that's not his, the hallmark of his game, but you know, they're missing a few guys at the end of their bench, of course, but I mean, they're basically fully healthy. They're going to come out with uh, a lot of volition in this game. Um, I am really interested, especially Josh Green out to see how the Mavericks are able to, how effectively the Mavericks to be able to, to um, really hold up Garland and Mitchell, how that's going to, how are they going to be able to persist in terms of, you know, Sticking Reggie and Dorian on those guys or is their point of attack defense going to hold up with those guys really being the only um, first lines of defense in terms of our perimeter defenders? We don't really have, you know, I, I assume Frank is definitely going to be called on again in this game, unfortunately, for those in the crowd that want to see Hardy and Walker play more. Because, um, I mean, those guys and Mitchell and Garland are both, I mean, I would, in, in my opinion, humble opinion, of course, I would say both of those guys are superstars. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see how the Mavericks counter that. And of course the dynamism between the two bigs up front for the Cavs, um, you know, and Mobley and Allen, you know, you this is a game where the Mavericks could maybe bust out that two big lineup. Um, you know, idealistically, I would probably want maybe, um, uh, you know, if I had to pick, it would probably be Maxi and Christian Wood, but of course Maxi's out. So do we see JaVale minutes, you know, JaVale while he in a, in a um, you know on paper and how he's played the last few seasons is this you know is a solid rim protector and a guy you'd probably want out there in a game like this especially having to go against Allen who is such a role in the pick and roll I mean such a threat in the pick and roll my bad and you know such a threat on the glass and his little push shot I mean the guy who you know he's actually developed somewhat of a offensive game and has pushed himself into that all-star echelon as we saw last year I mean you'd and you know just his defensive capabilities are off the chart that goes without saying you know you'd love to be able to see JaVale be able to mirror some of those minutes but like he's he played really I mean his game in the Chicago game JaVale that is um, the, the defense was just really spotty and I mean you know I thought he had it figured out for stretches during this year but you know he got a DN, PCD the other night so I don't know I, I just really think the Mavericks might have a tough time handling this Cavs front court because you know even if they are able to hold up to an degree against um, Mitchell and Garland, just in terms of throwing a ton of bodies at them, uh, going switch heavy, maybe the Mavericks implement some zone in this one. But, I mean, also those guys are such good shooters, particularly Garland. Like, he can easily get going and start torching you, you know, particularly just on sp- uh, pull-up threes. I mean, not, not even necessarily spot-up guys. You know, the Cavs differ so much stylistically in terms of their um, – play style where them you know, we see the heliocentric Mavericks where, you know, if we, every, the possession sort of gets catalyzed by Luca getting into the paint and then, you know, that sort of um, hockey assist effect, or um, basically, <clears throat> uh, you know, that rotating door effect that I always reference where, you know, the ball just starts whipping around the perimeter after, you know, and we see guys fail and fail on the opposing team to attack off a closeout and mistime it and Mavericks are able to get open three, you know, the Cavs just have guys that can get into the paint and continuously attack off of closeouts. I mean, it's this team is a really tough guard. Um, I, I think the Mavericks, you know, I don't know how much issues the Mavericks are going to have in terms of their scoring, because, you know, with coro really being their only point of attack defender on Doncic, I could easily see them at, this could be a high-scoring affair, but – I don't know how the Mavericks are really going to be able to hold up in terms of that front court, especially if, you know, they roll out that their current starting lineup, they could easily end up getting torched on the, um, on the defensive end. And I don't know how Dwight Powell is going to be able to persist It's the lone big out there. Um, I, I don't know. We, we could see a, a two big lineup, but even if it's just wood and, you know, I definitely would favor wood and McGee over Wood and pal in this one, just from the defensive standpoint, Um but maybe if the Mavericks play zone, then I'd rather probably have Pal out there than McGee just because of how volatile JaVale McGee's defense has been this year. I mean, but I just from the sheer size aspect, I mean, I think he maybe poses more of a threat just being out there versus Dwight in a game like this where we see so much, you know, potential in terms of the Cavs ability to get to the basket and they distribute to the dunker spot or get to those, you know insanely long bigs and Mobley and Allen I mean I don't know it's going to be a really tough matchup but I would predict a very high scoring affair for any of you guys betting out there um the combined points total definitely take the over in this one um but who, who knows what's going to happen it was it's really interesting to sort of see um how this game is going to play out but hopefully the Mavericks can you know sort of surmise something to get uh to get a you know, get a little streak going to here, but it's going to be a tough game versus the Cavs. Do not underestimate them, you know, despite whatever preconceived notion you had of them going to the preseason. This team, uh, let me see their record right now. This this Cavs team at 17-11 is um, one of the better teams in the NBA, just, despite their record. I honestly think they should. they've should they lost a few close games. Um, they lost one to the Spurs before this one. Uh, let me see. They play. Are they playing on a second out of a back-to-back? Um, the Maverick. No, no, they're not. Okay. They played the Spurs the night before last. Okay. Yeah. So they played the Spurs when the Mavericks played the Thunder, of course, that night. Um, so it would have been Monday night, I assume. Yes. Um, so, okay. So they're not in a second out of a back to back. They're doing their little Texas swing stretch here, but you know, they have a one, they had a one loss, um, one point loss to the Spurs the other night, the Cavs that is. So we could definitely see them coming out of the fire aggressive and ready to get after it so I would be wary of that and be cautious but I um, you know it's excited it's an exciting game to see despite you know having Josh Green and Maxia. Yeah, out. this will be a fun game to watch uh, for any of you guys going to it out there so yeah I'm excited to be back we're definitely going to get a little more consistency going with these podcasts you know me being sick and school coming to a close at the same time in terms of the semester was just a sort of combination effect that hit us like a blind eye, not something that's going to be, uh, sort of a a consistent, um, hallmark of us on this podcast. We, we very much value our consistency and getting our episodes out on time right after post games and all that sort of stuff. And we're going to continue to do, do that. We just hit a little rough wall right there. So we do apologize. Like I said, we'll be a few solo podcasts right here, but Hey, I mean, I'm sure you guys like me better than Jaren anyways. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding for all the uh, Jaren stands out there. Um, yeah. Uh, Nonetheless, we will, I will catch you guys after the game tomorrow night. Um, um, oh my God. I mean, sorry, I'm butching right now. I'm getting a phone call last minute. I will catch you guys after tonight's game. Um, podcast will be releasing, you know, sometime really early in the morning, Thursday night, you know, probably in the hours between 12 and two. Um, but yeah, it'll be a fun cover tonight and glad to be back with some more consistency getting over the sickness has been nice. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Um, we got Christmas and the JB return coming up. We got some fun mass basketball stretch coming up here and uh, we're definitely going to be looking at doing a trade podcast as a lot of other mass podcasts have done in terms of surveying the league, especially with this December 15th deadline in terms of a lot of players who signed deals over the off season, off season, being able to, um, you know, now, these these guys are now tradable, uh, as you know. Ramifications in their contact in their contracts entail that they couldn't be traded. So there's definitely some different things that we're going to be looking to do besides our you know just regular basic post game and pre game podcasts. So we're we're excited to implement. Um, you know we're going to be posting a lot more podcasts um, you know, with school out now. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're excited to continue to grow with you guys. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore mavs um subscribe and give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening whether that be apple podcast spotify or wherever you get podcasts we're available on almost all platforms we should be opening up the youtube soon i know i've said that for a while but that's actually something that is in the works right now um so it is going to be fun and we're excited to get it um rolling with you guys and we will catch you guys i will catch you guys after tonight's game peace out